Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, listener mail. This is Robert Lamb. And this is Joe McCormick, and I think maybe we should jump right in with a response to an older episode of ours about the uh, the Bone Palace Vault episode. Are you ready, Rob? I'm ready. Okay, this comes to us from Megan. Megan says, hey, Joe and Robert, had a couple of natural history notes to add to your Bone Palace episodes. Uh, remember, I think there was a, a, a string of things we talked about in those episodes about uh, creatures other than humans making dwellings out of the remains of other animals. Mm-hmm. Megan writes, another cool creature that may camouflage itself with the body parts of other invertebrates is the green lacewing larva. You can see them trundling about on tree trunks under tiny lichen festooned huts. They voraciously consume other insects, and they may incorporate the body parts of their prey, such as aphids, within their camouflage. This is especially useful as a disguise to fool ants, which tend and defend sap-sucking aphids for their honeydew. Also, carrier snails, from the family Xenophoridae, meaning foreigner carrying, attach bits of coral, rock, sponges, and other smaller shells into the delicate white whorls of their own growing shells. They can be very elegant, with the long spires of other shells protruding at regular intervals like a sunburst, or look like crazy marine garbage heaps, depending on the species and its preferred masonry. 
The added bits provide some camouflage and protection from predators, stability on the seafloor, and also save them on the energy and material cost of having to grow their entire shells. Thanks, guys. You supply me with moments in critical thinking in times when I'm otherwise short on it. Driving, kid tending, etc. Best, Megan. Excellent. Well, these are both great specimens. Thanks for, for sharing these with us, Megan. At least one of these seems kind of familiar. So I'm wondering if we maybe researched it but didn't mention it in the episode or mentioned it It's possible. Briefly. Some, I don't know. Sometimes stuff falls through the cracks like that. Yeah. Uh, now, we got a number of responses to our pair of episodes about furry fish, and these were, were great fun. Yeah, the first one comes to us from Kelly. She says, hi, both. I was delighted to hear you mention in your second episode on furry fish, the gloriously fluffy hoax fish at the National Museum of Scotland. As a child, I remember for the first time seeing this fish on show. Since then, I've always made a point of trying to find it whenever I go in. It is Scotland's own abominable snow trout. Your discussion of fish people and otters uh, got uh, me thinking about uh, Celtic Norse myths of the Selkie, a person that takes on the form of a seal, uh, which was a widespread folk uh, tale in the north and in the islands. The story I remember reading when, was, when I was very young was that of the Selkie wife. I think there are plenty of variations on the theme, but the basic premise is that a fisherman falls in love with a Selkie woman in human form, but he steals her Selkie slash seal skin, preventing her from taking seal form, and locks the skin in a kist or chest, keeping her imprisoned on the land. Eventually, she manages to take back the skin, escapes to the sea, transforms back into a seal, and escapes. A more recent sculptural interpretation at the Helix Park in Falkirk, called the Selkies, presents them in the form of the giant rearing heads of shire horses. I think this is uh, part of a reference to the foam-tipped breaking waves of the sea being referred to as white horses, as well as a link to the horses which would have pulled barges along the canals uh, along well, which the park was built. They are quite spectacular and worth a quick image search if you have a few minutes. Thanks for the many hours of fun and enlightening discussion. I come away from every episode with some new interesting facts or ideas to think about. All the best, Kelly. Now, I tried to Google the Selkies uh, Helix Park, and the only thing I the, I came across, what I think you're talking about, but this says they're called the Kelpies instead of the Selkies, which I know are both things. So you, you may have just had a typo in your email there. Either way, the, the Selkies are, are certainly fascinating. Uh, Selkies and, and Kelpies, I've been reading about them for, for ages, you know, because they pop up in Dungeons & Dragons and mythology textbooks, uh, mm -hmm. monster uh, compendiums of all sorts. I, I also have to point out there's a wonderful 2014 Irish animated film called Song of the Sea, which deals with this territory. I highly recommend that. It's a, a beautiful film. Hmm. All right, this next message about the furry fish comes from Alex. Alex says, Hello, I love your show, but I've never had a good reason to send you mail until today. In your The Fish Had Fur episode, you mentioned the singing bass fish, Billy Bass. <laughs> <laughs> the singing bass fish. Wow. Uh, I had one of these growing up, so I started looking for it in my basement, hoping I still had it. I didn't. But... 
I experienced a bit of serendipity while scrolling TikTok after I gave up the hunt. I stumbled across an artist by the name of Kevin Heckert. They are an interactive artist that has created a Billy Bass that somehow interacts with Amazon Alexa. (laughs) It is amazing. It sings any song you ask it to. Please look it up. It will make your day watching Billy singing all of the hits. Oh, wow. Uh, That's it. Thanks for making such an entertaining podcast. Uh, P.S. I really miss the constant flow of invention. That's how I found you guys. Thanks for reading, Alex. Oh, well, Well, thank you, Alex. Uh, yeah, thanks. I, I hope we keep, I, I don't know, we, we will still continue doing invention episodes from time to time. I'm sorry, we, we can't do them every week now. Um, I mean, maybe at some point we'll just lose it and start doing invention episodes, uh, like yeah. back to back, for sure. at least for a little bit. You never know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so I looked this up. I, I'm not familiar with this uh, this person, but I, I looked up the TikTok you were talking about. And yeah, it looks like someone has uh, sort of hacked a Billy Bass to to be the interface for Amazon Alexa. So at least if what is being alleged by this video is correct and there's no trickery involved, you can say to the big mouth, Billy Bass, uh, Hey Alexa play whatever. And you know, uh, play four horsemen by Metallica. And then the bet, the bass will turn and say, okay. And it will sing along with the song. It'll do the mouth. (laughs) All right. Here's another one. This one comes to us from Calvin subject. Big Mouth Billy Bass. Hello. The one in the town I grew up in played Don't Worry, Be Happy. As kids, we were absolutely obsessed with this thing. The poor shop owner must have heard that fish hundreds of times. Thanks for the show, Calvin. I got to be honest. When I first read this email, I laughed out loud thinking about the town Billy Bass. Mm -hmm. It's like the town well or it reminded me of New York movies, uh, older New York movies, where there'll be TVs and shop windows, and there'll be people mm-hmm. gathered around to watch the TVs. Yeah. Except in this case, it's the Billy Bass singing Don't Worry, Be Happy. Bobby McFerrin. Yeah, yeah, great too. All right, we also heard uh, back from our listener Shay in regards to the Tomato Vault episodes. He writes, Dear Rob and Joe... I'm lovingly teased by my friends and my wife for my podcast problem as I spend every available moment driving, housework, walking the beast, listening, uh, and your work is my favorite. I was listening to the second Vault episode about tomatoes this morning as I made my wife's and my favorite vegan beverage, an oat milk latte. If you haven't tried Oatly yet, Rob, you've got to give it a go. I, I do I do love oat milk. Uh, it's it's quite good. Uh, mm-hmm. When Joe suggested that the fruit from the Garden of Eden may have been a tomato, quickly you both accept the improbability of this, since tomatoes are native to the Americas, and the authors of the Bible would not have been familiar with them. However, considering the importance of the LDS Church, and in this um, Shea is referring, uh, of of course, to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Um, Uh, Considering the importance of the LDS Church to the later acceptance of tomatoes in the U.S., I want to offer a sliver of hope to your theory. Uh, uh, He continues, In LDS lore, it is said that the Garden of Eden was in fact in the Americas, specifically in Jackson County, Missouri. Now, that's more than a hop, skip, and uh, jump away from South and Central America, but 
Mormon beliefs are central to stories of ancient American peoples traveling across these continents. While there is, of course, no scientific evidence that I'm aware of supporting any of this, it is interesting to look at the pattern of tomato development and apply it to a story here. Imagine a cultivated tomato of knowledge being taken and or naturally adapting and spreading to be the current-like tomatoes of South America, where they are again selected, cultivated, and spread north, then grow wild and small again before finally being rediscovered and becoming the tomatoes of today. I'm certain plot holes abound, but what fun, Shay, from the Rocky Mountains. Uh, and they add a P.S. Uh, in a recent listener mail, you mentioned how delicious a tomato mayo sandwich can be, and I can't resist suggesting you try a pickle and mayo sandwich, one of my guilty pleasures. Hmm, interesting. Oh, I'm, I'm up to try. I wonder what kind of pickle would be best. Do you want to go, do you go bread and butter pickle on that? Do you go uh, with a more sour variety? you go with a spicy pickle? So many possibilities. Uh, I'm very partial to half sour pickles myself. Okay. Have that fresh cucumbery flavor. Yeah, yeah. Now, I wanted to look this up to make sure that this is actually a belief uh, among the Latter-day Saints. And I think what I discovered, I didn't have a lot of time to look into this, but what it looked like to me um, is that the belief that the Garden of Eden was in Jackson County, Missouri, or was definitely in Missouri, uh, is not something that is written in the Book of Mormon, but I believe it is something that is alleged to have been said by Brigham Young, and and that Brigham Young said Joseph Smith told him this. So I don't know how exactly that relates to to its doctrinal status uh, among the beliefs of the church, but uh, but yeah, I- interesting nonetheless. Okay, anyway, uh, are you ready to move on to some emails about Weird House Cinema? Let's do it. Okay, this first one comes from Eric, uh, and I, w- I want to include this email because it has some great stuff in it. But uh, Eric, I think you, you made a few typos that I couldn't quite figure out. Uh, I don't know if there was like some accidental formatting changes or something. So I'm, I'm going to sort of skip or summarize a few paragraphs here. But uh, Eric says, good morning, gentlemen. I just listened to this week's listener mail in which you spend a few moments pondering who should potentially portray Tom Bombadil in a future Lord of the Rings movie. And then uh, Eric says his first thought was Charles Durning. Interesting huh. idea. Okay. So he says uh, it's it's difficult to imagine Mr. Durning as embodying a threat. I don't know. I, I think about the sting at least. Yeah, yeah. He can be quite threatening in A Brother Where Art Thou, at least uh, when he wants to be, but he can also turn on the charm. That's true. Um, and Eric says he can sing. Uh, and he gives as evidence the uh, the movie The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, which is, that's a Dolly Parton movie, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe so. He also sings in uh, Brother Where Art Thou. Oh, yeah. And dances. Uh, he's, a, he's a talented dancer. A lot of people don't realize that. And then after this, uh, Eric says, I think he's suggesting that his dog recommended someone to him. Uh, I, I, jokingly, I assume. And anyway, that person is Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel is Tom Bombadil. What do you think? Okay. So, mm-hmm. so Eric says, uh, you know, Tom Bombadil, some people might think of him as kind of a, a nature loving quintessential old hippie. Uh, but Eric writes, quote, Bombadil is clearly at least a demigod and he's a very powerful being. While he's by preference good natured, he could be quite capable of violence, even if at some remove. And one would assume anger or at least implacability, if that's a word. And Eric says, uh, might have to dub in the singing, though. To the contrary, Eric, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this. Vin Diesel has albums. He he is in a professional singer. 
in addition to being an actor. So, uh, so, you know, he, he may be living life a quarter mile at a time, but at least one of those quarter miles has involved going into the studio and laying down some sensitive, emotional pop tracks. Yeah, you sent me a link to this, and I listened to it, and I have to say, it's it's not terrible. It's not necessarily my thing, but it's 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 nothing that would offend me if I heard it in a commercial or in a, a waiting room somewhere. Um, I wouldn't say that it just screams Tom Bombadil to me, but um, I, I accepted as proof of of Vin Diesel's musical chops. I would say it's not my style of music, but I'm impressed by Vin Diesel's potential as a singer. I almost I was immediately thinking like, oh, does he do cameo? Could we? How much would it cost to send him like the Rob Inglis songs and see if he can just you know perform them, see what it sounds like? Yeah, it, it it's not going to happen, sadly. <laughs> At least not now. Maybe later. Maybe later in his career. But for now, uh, Vin, Vin doesn't need the cameo bucks. Uh, but also, Eric floats the idea of uh, of Wayne the Stone John's man as a as a possible. oh oh the Rock um, yeah. yeah the Rock certainly is charismatic and and i think he can sort of sing at least um but again i don't i don't know if this is the direction for my vision of of tom bombadil i don't know it's such a difficult part to potentially cast so there were some fun discussions about this in the the facebook group for stuff to blow your mind the stuff to blow your mind discussion module i think we even did a little poll uh there were some some fun and some absurd suggestions on there I also, I think at the same time that was going on, I was watching Hamilton for the first time. So I was also thinking of the various actors in Hamilton. I was thinking, oh, oh they could be a Tom Bombadil. Oh, he could be a Tom Bombadil as well. A lot of Tom Bombadil. Strange. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Especially <laughs> if you, you know, no, you have to remember in, in, in the book, The Lord of the Rings and the Fellowship of the Rings, um, it's not said that these are necessary. I mean, that we don't have music. We just have the lyrics. They could be rapped. Oh, that's possible. true. Okay. Maybe they even need to be wrapped. I don't know. Well, I just don't know if any of those actors are like old and rotund enough. I, I, I picture somebody who's got to be like over 50 and kind of round. Yeah. Well, we're playing the long game here. Okay. So give it time. Uh, we, we just have some pot- potential uh, Tom Bombadil. So we just have to keep an eye on and see how they develop, how they mature. Yeah. I, of course, I realize this would also exclude uh, Vin Diesel and, and, uh, and Rock the Dwayne, obviously. Yeah. In their current forms. You never know. You never know. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting, uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use this directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. 
Remember when you first saw the potential, and then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed a 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. Having a one-line plan means you only need you to save. No estranged roommates, exes, cousins twice removed, or AI-powered humanoid robots needed. And because $25 a month really means $25 a month, you can call, text, stream, whatever, as much as you want without worrying about getting dinged at the end of the month. No hidden fees, no surprises. No, really. It's like the old saying goes, you can't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. So spread the word. Tell all your friends there's a wireless company out there with transparency in their name, and they're called Visible. Start saving on wireless today at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. All right. We also heard from listeners regarding our Weird House Cinema episodes on Psychomania. This one comes to us from Don. Guys, so glad you picked this film. I saw this as a young kid in the 70s, and the image of the undead bikers turning to stone at the end was both frightening and super sad. I sad. don't remember much else about the rest of the film, but that final scene has stuck with me for decades. Thanks for bringing the rest of the movie back to me. We'll try to track it down. All the best, Don. I'm curious why it's sad. It seems like the, these horrible people, these horrible trolls are finally turned to stone. Well, I mean, they 
especially if you watched it as a young person, it's, okay. you know, the, these young people are, you know, they're going to live forever. They're going to do things their way. And then they're shut down by old people magic at the end. Okay, uh, it, yeah. It's kind of sad. It's, I, I can, I can definitely dig that interpretation. The end of the movie, once again, to reiterate is mom comes in and stops the rough housing. Yes. Basically via occult paperwork. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this next message is from Maggie, also about Psychomania, or the subject actually uses the alternate title is just Death Wheelers. Maggie says, great Weird House Cinema episode, guys. I remember seeing this movie about 10 years ago at an all night secret horror movie marathon in Philadelphia. And this movie was a huge hit for that audience. I'm talking popcorn in the air, cheering and hollering, particularly every time one of the bikers rocketed from the grave upright on their motorcycle. A perfect trash movie indeed. My friend and I thought the lead biker Tom had more than a passing resemblance to Noel Fielding from The Mighty Boosh, and that lent the movie a whole other absurd dimension in which to enjoy it. Love the pod and appreciate all the work you guys put into it, Maggie. That's a good point. I think when I was watching it too, I was getting some some mild hints of Noel Fielding, the hair, uh, with our main yeah. character. Yeah, the hair, kind of the you know the long face. Uh, yeah, I wonder what it would have been like had the Mighty Boosh done some sort of a, like a proper psychomania inspired uh, tale. I think there there would have been room for them to explore some absurd ideas there. Oh my God! Yes, they could have done a really good undead biker along mm. along the, the the hitchhiker lines, I guess. Yeah. All right, this last pair of messages comes from Lorenzo, and in, this is in response to us talking about the the weird thing that's in a lot of uh, Italian horror movies from the 70s and 80s where there are scenes of heightened suspense, and then the soundtrack gets – it starts playing music that feels incongruous with the mounting suspense. It's playing like funky, you know, funky, jazzy, like cool music, not scary music. Anyway, so we were talking about that, and Lorenzo says, Hi, Joe, Rob, big fan of your show. Keep them coming. Joe, twice you commented on Weird House Cinema, asking, Why the upbeat synths in violent sequences? And Rob, you rationalize that it's a culturally-based counterpoint to the tension. Uh, right, so you were talking about, maybe it's just some kind of difference between how like Italian audiences versus American audiences would regard the, the connotations of disco music, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so Lorenzo says, while the synth work of Goblin and co is awesome for the action sequences, those guys just stepped aside. Similar samples were pasted over all sorts of genre films in Italy when I was a kid, including overdubs of Westerns and manga. So generally it's a shortfall on soundtracking in those sequences. I'd rather have John Carpenter do my truculent ambient, to be honest. It's a fail for our movies. Any way you look at it. <laughs> Okay, so Lorenzo is just dissing some of the soundtrack choices of of some of these Italian horror films. Uh, if I'm understanding, I, I hope I'm not misunderstanding, but I think Lorenzo is saying like, you know, sometimes they just didn't know what to put in there, didn't have much of a budget and just subbed in some kind of track they had a, in a library or had the rights to or something. Well, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I could imagine that potentially being the case. But on the other hand, a lot of wonderful things come out of accidents and shortcuts oh, yeah. Yeah. in filmmaking. And so, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't discount it just because, uh, maybe the process, uh, was questionable if it was questionable. Well, here, let's see, let's hear, uh, Lorenzo's second email. Lorenzo also says, 
As you know, Italian film is all about dubbing. Italians to this day see all cinema dubbed, with a handful of voice actors playing the parts. They do a good job. We have a better Homer than Dan Castellaneta, I promise you, (laughs) but you will never know this. That's great. Um, Why do I bring up dubbing in the context of those action sequences with the upbeat synths, do you ask? Because in many films, they were working on whatever budget they had, and they sacrificed these production elements to an aesthetic. So, funky jazz in a slasher sequence, or bad overdubs, I guess were secondary to the aesthetic. But I agree with you, Joe, it's probably not an excuse Lorenzo. Oh, Lorenzo, I don't I, I didn't mean to to impugn movies that have uh soundtrack choices that seem strange to me. I love a strange soundtrack choice. Oh um, yeah, the, the stranger the, be- the better. The, the it's the the soundtracks that are not strange. Those are the ones that that can sometimes just piss me off, to be honest. Uh but I think I see exactly what you're talking about Lorenzo with um certain uh w- with there being a sort of strain of creative preference in Italian cinema for maybe sometimes visual aesthetics uh, over everything else that like the, the, the director might have a certain kind of uh, image in their mind, almost kind of a painting of the way they want the film to look. And that's really top priority. Maybe a lot of other creative choices might kind of just take a back seat to that. And mm-hmm. I think that's true about a lot of uh, Italian horror movies, especially. Well, this will be, this will be a, a conversation to keep in mind and to, to keep having as we inevitably come back to the the cinema of italy on our weird out cinema episodes oh yeah i do like him taunting us with the fact that that his simpsons is better than ours uh, this this is fun because i had recently um i recently played a video game titled blasphemous which is which is excellent and it is um it's a spanish production and it ha- you can choose to have the audio in english or in spanish and uh, I was reading about it online with some people talking about there being an apparent, at times, kind of a good-natured rivalry between uh, Mexican dubbers and and Spanish dubbers, mm-hmm. like who's do, who does the best job of, of providing voiceovers for for projects. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so that was interesting as well. I never really thought about that. How you might have some sort of like good-natured competition between the dubbers in Spain and the dubbers in Mexico. Uh, for for different projects, blasphemous is this the um, the two D side scroller game that looks inspired by the paintings of Goya? It is, yes. Oh, I've been. I saw a, a, a preview of that. I think a few years back, and I was like, man, I want to play that. That looks like some some real classic witchcraft. Yeah, I put it off for a long time, and then I, I finally bit. I was like, all right, I'm going to give this game a shot. And I'm not really huge into the sort of Castlevania Metroid type, type games. A lot of times yeah. they, they kind of frustrate me. So I expected it to be a game that would visually amuse me for a little bit, and then I would get sick of it because it would be too hard for me as a gamer. Yeah. But uh, I ended up – I stuck with it. it. It was just enthralling, just some wonderful world building. And, uh, and I think it's challenging, but it never feels cheap. So uh, I, I highly recommend that one. And the the voice talent, I've listened to parts of it in Spanish and parts of it in English, and in both cases, excellent. There's some wonderful dialogue in there and, uh, and, and some very creepy voices. Nice. I just love the idea that somebody essentially made a Goya game. I don't know if that's what they were doing on purpose, but as soon as I looked at yeah. it, that's like, oh, that's what it no, is. No, no, uh, I believe the creators have pointed that out. They point to oh, specific okay. Goya paintings that were key uh, to this vision, to this world they've created. And, and, but it also goes beyond that. There's all this just rich stuff that's very, 
uh, you know, based in uh, you know Inquisition and um, yeah. and Catholic guilt, and oh, it, it just has a very rich and mysterious world that they've built up around this game. All right, well, I'm going to play that, and then I'm going to hang on for whoever makes the El Greco game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that could be good too. All right, we're going to go ahead and close the mailbag here, but we'd love to hear from you all regarding current episodes, future episodes, past episodes, episodes of Stuff to Blow Your Mind, episodes of Weird House Cinema. It's all fair game. We'll try and do a listener mail every Monday. That's where you can hear it. You'll find it in the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast feed, and you'll find that wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, if you just need to get to us quickly, you can always go to stufftoblowyourmind.com. That will shoot you over to the iHeart listing for this show. There's uh, going to be a place in there where you can click to go to our store. And just in case you want to check out a T-shirt or a sticker or a tote bag or a phone case or whatever you're looking for, uh, and you can get that with our logo on it or some other kind of cool design. Just a little extra in case you're interested. Huge thanks, as always, to our wonderful audio producer, Seth Nicholas Johnson. If you would like to get in touch with us with feedback on this episode or any other, to suggest a topic for the future, or just to say hello, you can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.